Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Grab your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 3, if you would. That song um, just completely set up this message. You know, the, uh, the longer that we're here in this world, uh, the darker it seems to be getting. Evil abounds, and uh, darkness seems to be swallowing up so much. But I've not come with a doom and gloom message today. I've come to tell you, as long as the church is here, there's light. And if you've ever noticed one thing about a candle or a flashlight, the darker it is outside, the brighter the light seems to shine. And so I believe that today we have a we have a call upon us, and I I want to I want to just take our attention to one of the letters that John wrote to the Church of Philadelphia. John has an insight that is unique from any of the other writers. He saw some things that no one else had been given the privilege to see, and uh, so in Revelation chapter three verse seven. He writes to the Philadelphia church, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. This is what he writes. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. When God opens a door, I don't care who's trying to shut it. When God opens a door in your life, it doesn't matter what circumstance, what enemy, what foe may come your way, it doesn't matter how hard they try to shut it. When God opens the door, it's an unshuttable door. And I just have a feeling, I feel the Holy Ghost just sweep all over me in this moment. God has opened a door for this church. There is an open door right now that he has opened, and it may look daunting, and it may look challenging, And you may even be dealing with a slight amount of fear. But when God opens a door, the church needs to walk through that door. Amen. I just want to preach to you the unshuttable door. You may be seated today. Amen. Philadelphia was a city situated in a strategic place on the main route of the Imperial Road from Rome to the east. And because of that, it was once known as the gateway to the east. The only major problem with the specific location in which it was located was the fact that it was an earthquake zone. It set upon a fault. And in uh, 17 B.C., it was destroyed by a severe earthquake that also destroyed many of the other surrounding cities around it. So afterwards, uh, if you've ever seen certain places that are devastated by hurricanes, floods, storms, 
there are times when you always have a certain amount of people that will go back into a city, but there are others that are like, not again, not for me. I'm not going through that again. I'm not going to I'm not going to rebuild only to take a chance of having another earthquake come or uh, something other, some other catastrophic event come and, and destroy my hard work and my home. And, and so Philadelphia was a, a, a city that uh, many of the citizens after that earthquake refused to move back into. It was shaken. And within that city, there was a church. And like the city itself, the church was not a great church. Philadelphia was not a great city. It had been kind of rocked and reeled. And now, now as you can only imagine, there were, there were things that still weren't repaired. There were things that still needed to be fixed up. It was no longer a thriving, bustling community as it once was, but it was kind of run down. And those that had gone back in to live there had gone in uh, by themselves, and not all of their neighbors have moved back in. So you you can imagine with me, uh, most of you have seen a neighborhood that that uh, has kind of been uh, where people have just abandoned it and they've, they've walked away, but you've always got a few that are going to stay planted until the day that they die. Kind of discouraging. Philadelphia was that type of a town, and in that town, it had a church, and that church was was doing okay. It had some things that were good, but it, it was no mega church. It wasn't it wasn't a crystal cathedral. It wasn't a place that everybody ooed and awed over. But it was just a a simple church with simple people that were doing the best that they could. No packed out services, no mega revivals. But it was a place that held its ground and remained most importantly true to the doctrine. That small congregation struggling to have church in a shaken land with a wavering economy and an abundance of uncertainty kind of reminds me of what it feels like to live in our country in this era. There's not really a whole lot that you can hold on for certain. There's a whole lot of things that are kind of shaky when it comes to our economy. Uh, I, we were talking just the other day about how, you know, you can go into the grocery stores now, uh, and it's a little bit different than it was uh, 10 years ago, even five years ago, because it, it would seem that you could walk into your local grocery store and pick up just about everything and anything that you wanted. It was on the shelf. You could find it there. But now we've kind of gotten accustomed to going in and seeing where we don't have as many choices, and there's some things that we liked and always could get before that it's a little more difficult to, to, to get our hands on. I know we're not where they're at, but still the similarities are real. That little church in Philadelphia caught the eye of heaven. And from the Isle of Patmos, when John took his pen in his hand to write, he wrote, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. God sent a message, and he did not overlook the church in Philadelphia just because it wasn't the biggest of the seven churches in Asia Minor. He didn't overlook Philadelphia just because it was on 
what could some could perceive to be the wrong side of the tracks or in a, a barren land. No, he looked at that small little church in Philadelphia and he said, you're worth my time and you're worth my effort and because of that, I am going to write a letter to you to let you know how I feel about you. Revelation 3 and 8, 7 and 8 said, write these things that are true. Can you imagine receiving a message like this from God through the hands of his messenger, John? Can you imagine if somebody came and wrote a letter to this church from a far off distant land, somebody that doesn't know us, doesn't know our situation, how encouraging that would be to know that God had spoken to somebody about us, that God had noticed us. God said that. He said, I know you. He wanted Philadelphia to know, I know you and I know what you're doing and I want you to know that the struggles that you have, they're not in vain. I want you to know that the, that the labor that you're putting into, the effort that you're putting into serving me and keeping the church going in, a, in an abandoned place where it, it, nothing seems to be really happening, there's no revival fires, I want you to know that I see what you're doing and I appreciate what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Your efforts have not gone unnoticed. Got my eyes on you. I know how you work. Hear me today. When you begin to wonder if your praying is making a difference, don't tell me you haven't ever felt like this. When you begin to wonder if your worship matters, when you begin to wonder if it even makes a difference if you show up or not or if anybody's going to miss you or if God even sees where you're at. Let me tell you, I've come to tell somebody today that what you do and what you worship, it matters. And when you show up and you put it in and you put in the effort and you put in the labor and you worship when you don't feel like worshiping and you worship when everything around you seems to have abandoned you, God knows where you're at. God sees you and he notices your efforts and they are not in vain because he looks down upon you and he sees you. Not one moment of prayer has gone unnoticed. Not one chapter read out of your Bible has escaped him. Listen to what God told the church. He said, I know that you have little strength. I know that you have, he said, I know where you're at and I know who you are and I know that you don't have a whole lot to offer and I know that you feel a little bit worked over and a little bit weary. I understand that. But he said, I also know that you have a little strength. And let me tell you something. God never required you to carry the, the weight of the load all by yourself. God never expected us, amen, to come up with everything that he could do for us and nothing that we could not do for ourselves. But God says, if you'll give a little, I can come in and I can turn the little bit that you have into a whole lot more. God's never required you to carry the heaviest part of the load to get the job done. The widow said, I would make you a cake. I got a handful of meal and a little oil in the cruise and two sticks. I'm going to take that. I'll make a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. But the prophet of God said, that's okay. 
that's okay. I understand you don't have much, and I, and it's okay. I, I want you and your son to, to have something to eat. He said, just make me something first. That's dangerous territory he's walking on right there, isn't it, Mama? You're telling me you're going to take the food out of my baby's mouth? You're te- Maybe you didn't understand me. I have a handful of meal, a little oil, and two sticks. He said, I heard you just fine. You just make me something first. Let me tell you something. There are going to be things that come into your life that are going to try to get you to hold on to the little bit you have because you feel like if I let this go, it's all going to be gone. I'm telling you that's the truth. Once you eat it, it's all going to be gone. But if you put it in the hands of the master, amen, the oil will never fail. The meal will never run out. God will supply when everything else around you is falling apart. And I'm telling you, that's where we're at right here and right now. We don't have everything. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the finances. We don't have everything that we need. But I tell you what little we do have, I'm not going to try to figure it out on my own. I'm going to put it in the hands of the master, and I'm going to see what God can do with the little that we have. He never said, once you become the largest church in town, I'll bless you. Once you get enough money in the bank, then I'll bless you. There's an old song that came to mind as I was studying this. Some of us old timers will remember little as much when God is in it. (laughs) Little as much when God is in it. Somebody needs to hear me today. Don't hang on. You're going to starve to death. You may get one more meal out of it, but it's not going to sustain you through the famine that is coming. Give what little you have to God. It may not seem like you've got much to offer, and God says, wait till I get done with it. I'll show you how much I can turn your little bit into. It's more there than you think there is. There's more there when I multiply it than you can even handle. There's enough to sustain you, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for Supernatural sustainment. I told him, don't be discouraged because your strength isn't what you want it to be. Don't worry about where you're located. Don't worry about the way it used to be. I'm quite certain that maybe there was a larger congregation at one time. But due to circumstances, and circumstances are always going to be coming up against the church. We're always going to fight battles. We're always going to fight sickness. We're always going to fight people moving away or just walking away. We're always going to have things that come against us and obstacles that that we're going to have to face. But when God says, I have placed before you an open door, don't you ignore that open door. When God opens the door in your life to move forward in the spirit, move forward with confidence because God has opened a door that no man can shut. Times when we feel battered and weary. Times when it's hard to keep going. I know there's some sleepy heads in here today. We had quite an evening yesterday. What a beautiful wedding that was for Brady and Bell. The Fisher's family worked very, very hard, I'm sure, with some other help alongside them. Worked very, very hard and very, very diligently. And as a pastor, you know how my heart swells because in my mind, I'm always kind of thinking of the negative. Well, I wonder, you know, I, I can't really say I'd blame them if they didn't show up this morning, but I would. I, w- I would blame them. 
When you look out and you see people that have a hunger for God, it does my heart good. Yes, we're weary sometimes. Yes, our hands are full. And yes, life is busy, but don't forget, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First things still have to be first. Amen. Our priorities still need to be number one. God said, I'll have no other things before me. I am God, and I am God alone. You shall have nothing else that you set as a higher priority than me in your life. So don't forget, when you put him at the top of your priority list, there's going to be things that God is able to do for you. So when you come up against a door that seems to be cracked open just a little bit, and you know that God opened it, don't you fear and don't you fret. Walk right on through that door, my friend, because there's a blessing that you cannot contain on the other side of that unshuttable door. God's message to the church in Philadelphia was simply this. A little stream is enough for you. A little strength is enough strength. Ever heard something called leverage? Sure. We used to call, we'd get, my dad would call it, go grab the leverage bar. We'd try to get something up out of the ground and we'd lift it and try to pull on it and couldn't get it. So we'd use something called leverage. We'd go get a big, big iron metal bar and we'd put a block of wood underneath it and get that iron bar underneath there. And you crank back on that. And all of a sudden, leverage is your friend. If you've got God, you've got leverage. You've got you got leverage that you cannot even comprehend. And when you're all out of answers and you don't know which way to turn, and this church has been hit with a, with a, a good-sized problem this past week with Brother Hopkins, going to have triple bypass this Tuesday. But I'm telling you what, I'm not worried about it because I know whose hand that he is in. We're going to put him in the hands of the Lord, and then we're going to use our leverage as God's people. And we're going to pray for our brother, and we're going to pray for our sister as she walks with him, her husband, through this. We are not going to leave them stranded. They're not out there by themselves. No, we are the family of God. And so being the family, we have leverage with God to go to battle and warfare for one of our own. We're not going to leave them out there by themselves. So don't be discouraged because your strength isn't what you want it to be. Just remember this. When you're weak, that's when I'm strong. When you get to the place where you're exhausted and you don't have an av avenue and you can't write a check big enough, you still have a God that nothing shall be impossible for. We are not out of answers as long as we have God. We are not out of answers as long as the door is still cracked open. Amen. Because what we need to understand is no matter what amount of stress comes our way, no matter what kind of problem or situation we face, there is a door that God has cracked open and ain't nobody in this world, including the devil and all of his demons, that can shut that door on God's church. God said, let me tell you what else I know about you. 
you kept my word and you haven't denied my name. He's looking for a church that has a little strength, that has kept his word, not, not our own word, but his word, and hasn't denied his name. You can't say that just about every. Well, there's a lot of wishy-washy stuff going on out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of vanilla, a lot of vanilla. I don't even know what to call it because it's not really uh, what I would call preaching. You know, those doors are open to anyone, but our message doesn't change to fit their need. Their life changes to fit the need of God's word. And you reach them with that word. But the way that we reach them, we take that word to them with love. We don't beat them over the head with the Bible. We don't beat them over the head with the, with the word. We don't take every scripture that we can come up to, to, to win the argument. You can win an argument and lose a friend, but if you win a friend, a lot of times you'll win the argument later on down the road because the argument dissipates. He said, you've kept my word. You've not denied my name. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. What an incredible promise. God has opened the door for this church. He's opened the door for this church to, to be broader than what we currently are. He has blessed this church abundantly with talent and solid people of the name of God. There's people in this church that can teach a Bible study. There's people in this church that can quote scriptures. There's people in this church that are rock solid, and you'll be rock solid no matter what comes your way. And God, I believe, has looked down upon Landmark Apostolic Church, and he said, I know who you are, and I know your ways. And I've seen the times when things have come against you trying to get you to sway to the left, to the right you remain true to my name. You've remained true to my ways. I don't care what kind of church we have. If it's not a church that loves truth more than anything else, it's a failure. We've got to have truth. We've got to have God's word. In the New Testament, an open door speaks of opportunity for ministry. Let me give you just a little brief glimpse of the term in the New Testament usage, and there's more than, than these. Several examples, I'm going to use one. Acts chapter 14, verse 27. It says, when they were come, they had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. He's not talking about a literal open door. They didn't stand at a door and open up and say, okay, you can come in now. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about opportunity, spiritual opportunity. Let me give you a different version. On the arrival, they got the church together and reported on their trip, telling in detail how God had used them to throw the door of faith wide open so people of all nations could come streaming in. 
Was that church in Acts a mega church? I know they were growing pretty fast, but think about it. They might have been five, 6,000 people that were spread all over the place. God added 3,000 in a very short amount of time, and, and there were more that were coming in. But, 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 but by and large, in the whole scope of things, they were not a mega church. They were a new, fresh start. It was a church that was just beginning. They weren't even a well-established church. But they were a small church that seized the opportunity of an open door. They were a small church that seized the opportunity of an open door. 120 in a little upper room. That's where it all started. Something began to happen. People began to look, what's going on here? What's taking place? There's something supernatural going on here. Are they are they drunk? Are they what what's what's happening? And and then the apostles said, hey, this is what Joel was talking about. In the last days, God was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters were going to prophesy. And he goes on, and they're like, well, how does this come about? He said, this is happening because of, of Jesus. By the way, who you crucified? They simply looked and said, what must we do? Two things could have happened here. Peter could have said, you know what? Y'all blew it. Y'all deserve, you put him on the, I was there. I saw some of you. You were there on that day, and you were jeering him. You were spitting on him. You were cursing him. You, des- you don't deserve salvation. You deserve, he could have just kept the mouth shut and said, you know what? I'm not going to deal with these people, but no, Peter, he saw an open door. God opened the door, and he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom, and Peter stood there on that day and preached the very first apostolic message to them of salvation. Here's what you got to do. It's for all. It's for you. It's for your children. You just have to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost just like the rest of them are receiving it. And it's not just for you, but it's for your children and your grandchildren, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You want to talk about an open door? Friend, that was an open door. That was an opportunity that we are a part of 2,000 years later, and that door is still wide open, my friend, and God is still calling people, come, come, come. Our music come today. where I worked at FedEx for all the years that I was there, they had something called the open door policy. Maybe they've had the same thing at your work, and that simply means that that at any moment in time that you felt the need, if you needed to go to your supervisor and have a conversation, that you could knock on the door, even if it was shut. You could knock on the door, and he would open it up. I didn't have to take, as a matter of fact, for probably the last 10 years, I had my supervisors calling me in, saying, would you mind coming in here and talk to me for a little bit? I need to bounce a couple things off of you. 
I was the unofficial chaplain at 3000 Eastport Plaza Drive. They were, they were blessed to have me. I didn't charge them a dime. But you know, I, I didn't, I saw their open door as an open door for me. When their door was open and they wanted to talk to me, I've counseled my bosses more than my bosses have had to counsel me. It's kind of sad, really, but it's, that's the way it was. You work in a place so long that people just know they can trust you. They've seen how you lived your life. They've watched you under duress and stress and how you handle problems, how you deal with your co-workers that are problem co-workers. I couldn't tell you how many of my bosses have called me in. And I've seen it not just as a chance to be their friend, but as a chance to lead them towards Christ. Hear me this morning when I tell you that I really, truly feel like God has given this church an open door opportunity. But an open door only matters if you're willing to walk through it. You can walk past it. You can stand and look at it. What a nice door. What a gorgeous door. wonder what's on the other side. And the fear of the unknown can cause us to make some mistakes if we're not careful. And that's why it's important to know who it is that's opened the door. That's why it's important for your relationship with God to be close enough that you can hear him speak and know that it's him that is opening the door because when you know who it is that's on the other side of the open door, you're a whole lot less fearful to walk through it. Just stand with me today. Feel a divine position placed upon us. Feel like God is doing something really supernatural, miraculous in our midst. I think you could probably concur that we felt some deepness in the spirit in the past few weeks. <clears throat> if you look back and see some of the Wednesday night teaching, you'll see where God, it's not been my design or Brother Jones's design, to teach those lessons to try to set us up for something. We were teaching those lessons before we really even knew some of this stuff was going to take place. But those lessons, if you go back and listen to them or even just look at the, the titles of them, they have divinely set us up and, and positioned us for this open door.
Sam Jones was a popular evangelist in the South years ago, and during the course of one of his revival meetings, he would designate one night as a quitter's night. And what that meant was simply that people that wanted to quit smoking, chewing, drinking, carousing, they'd bring, a, they'd bring some kind of memento of whatever it was that they wanted to quit. Pull their cigarettes out, lay them on the altar. God would begin to touch and move. And One of those nights, they were shocked when his aunt, little old feeble aunt, come walking up. Everybody was looking at her like, what is going on? What has she done? What she got to get? She was, a, she was a great saint in the church. She was just a sweetheart of a woman. So Sam asked her, he said, Aunt Sarah, what in the world are you repenting of? I don't know of a thing that you do that you need to repent of. No one was prepared for her answer, but it was an answer that convicted so many. She said, simply looked at Sam. She said, I ain't done nothing, and I'm going to quit it. The, big, the biggest enemy of the church is not Satan, Brother Charlie. Our biggest adversary is not the world. I mean, the spirit of the world. Those are things that we fight. We wrestle against Flesh and blood. You know, I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but the spirits that are out there. And the, we, we do have a certain, but that is not our biggest enemy. Our, our biggest enemy is when people just decide to do nothing with the little bit that they have. What do I have to offer my surprise you? I don't have much to give. Might surprise you. Because I remind us as I close and draw this to an end of a story in the Bible where there was a little widow. She walked up. Everybody else was chucking in their big money and their tithes and their, their offerings. And she comes hobbling up with two little mites. Not much. But God saw what she gave, and he said, she's given more than anybody here today because she's not given out of her abundance. It's easy to give out of our abundance. It's easy when we can throw some money in the plate and still have money to go out to eat. But what are we going to do when we're down to our last little bit? Just a handful of meal and a little oil on the cruise. Oh, no, it's much more than that. In your hands, it's just a handful of meal and a little oil on a cruise. But in God's hands, it's enough to feed you and your family through the difficult days ahead. Well, as they begin to sing today, If there might be some, some of us here in this place today that you felt like you don't belong anywhere, you felt like you don't have much to offer, I wonder if you'd just bring what little you have 
Maybe you've got a lot today. You'd like to come to the Lord and say, God, everything that I have is yours. I just want you to know and understand. But this altar is open, and I invite you to come this morning and just lay what you have. Just lay what you have into the hands of the Master today. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.